welcome to the Early Roots Podcast. This episode is a brain development crash course. So we are going to look at how the brain develops and kind of where and how this process can go wrong. And this is really important to know if you are wanting to treat problems like ADHD, sensory processing, anxiety, dyslexia, and kind of any other number of developmental brain-related problems. You have to start by understanding how the brain is supposed to work and where things go wrong. So there are a couple of key components to remember when we are talking about brain development. The first is that the brain develops from the bottom up. And this happens both physically with the actual structure of the brain and functionally with which part kind of matures first. And the second big component is that the brain develops through movement, use, and interaction with the environment. And this is very similar to other body systems like our muscles. If you don't use them, they won't grow or work properly. Also, the way you use them influences how they will develop and function. The same is true for your brain. So keeping those two things in mind, let's jump in. In utero, when the central nervous system is developing, the first part to develop is the spinal cord, followed by this brainstem, the midbrain, and finally the cortex. And each of these sections is located physically above the next, so that what you see is that the brain literally develops from the bottom to the top. And each of these sections does more and more advanced things. So as children are getting older and maturing, they're able to rely on higher, more advanced parts of their brain. So for example, when babies are first born, they're almost completely helpless. And during this early stage, they rely mostly on their brainstem, which is the lowest part of the brain, and it controls basic reflexive movements and kind of our basic survival skills. And young babies don't really have much control over their movements or anything that they do. As they age, they quickly gain more control of their body and they begin moving intentionally and you see that their brain development explodes. And then throughout the rest of their childhood, the upper parts of their brain are becoming more and more mature and functional. So they transition from relying heavily on their brainstem and heavily on these reflexes to being able to rely on more mature, advanced parts of the brain. As this transition happens, those early reflexes disappear, and they're replaced with more advanced reflexes, with voluntary responses, and with kind of a whole host of complex brain circuits. And the brainstem and the lower parts of the brain, they start to take on more of a background or supportive role. So they kind of work behind the scenes to provide the upper parts of our brain with all of the information that we need to understand our bodies and to understand our environment. So the lower parts of our brain are responsible for most of the unconscious kind of automatic parts of our brain. And this includes physical things like heart rate and breathing, but it also includes a lot of other things like knowing where we are in space and understanding facial expressions. And for most of us, these automatic things are things that we don't think about unless something is going wrong. We kind of take them for granted. 
And our brain is constantly working hard to provide us with good information and to filter out irrelevant information. And each part of the brain relies on parts below it in order to function properly. So there's kind of this natural sequence to optimal development where each stage builds on the next and where each part of the brain supports the next part. And all of this brain building and development is reliant on our early experiences and how we use our bodies and use our brains. So think of your brain as a very complex, hyper-intelligent system. And it's constantly taking in information and growing and adapting to this information and to the things that it experiences. And our brains and bodies are learning how to function based on the environment and based on our experiences. For example, when a baby is in the womb, they are reliant on mom to regulate a lot of different brain and body functions. If you take stress levels as an example, you can see that as mom's stress levels go up and down, baby's stress levels go up and down too. The same thing happens with blood sugar. And this doesn't mean that their stress or sugar levels always match. They aren't always exactly the same. But mom's stress levels, mom's blood sugar levels, those things influence baby. Those early experiences are teaching baby's body how to work. And you can see this easily after birth. Moms with uncontrolled gestational diabetes or with hypoglycemia are much more likely to have a baby who struggles to regulate their blood sugar after birth. They didn't learn that skill properly. Same thing with stress. Mothers with high stress levels during pregnancy are much more likely to have a baby whose nervous system is more sensitive and reactive to stress. Our bodies learn how to function based on our experiences. This doesn't just happen during pregnancy. One easy example is with our visual system. So during the first year or so after birth, babies have an explosion of visual development. So at birth, their eyes really don't function very well, likely because their visual system isn't really used much during pregnancy. But then after birth, when they start using their eyes, their vision starts to explode. And one of the times in infancy when you see this big jump is when babies start crawling and moving. All of a sudden, their world gets a lot bigger, and they begin to use their eyes in different ways. So when babies crawl, they go from looking down at the floor to looking up at the room around them. And this forces their eyes to adjust to things close up and then to things far away. And they begin to understand the early stages of depth perception, and their eyes begin kind of working together as a team. And all of this happens because of how they're using their eyes. Their eyes take in information, their brain responds and sends information back to the eyes, and this cycle continues. And it's this back and forth interaction between the eyes and the brain that strengthens both the brain and the eyes. And this is true for every other brain and body system. Our bodies take in information, our brain responds and sends information back to our bodies, and they both develop and mature. This is a very important concept to keep in mind when you are working with children who have developmental delays like dyslexia, ADHD, sensory processing problems, even autism. Understanding how the brain and body develop and work 
is important for being able to effectively go back, recapture lost development, and build appropriate communication between the brain and the body. So let's look at what happens when this process goes wrong. I have a previous episode about complications and risk factors that goes into detail about what specific things can go wrong. If you want more information about that, I recommend listening to that episode. But for now, just know that there are a whole host of things that can happen during pregnancy, birth, and the early infancy period that negatively impact the way our brains and bodies develop. When this happens, the brain can get stuck in an earlier stage of development and functioning. For example, if a baby experiences something traumatic during an early stage of development, like during birth or shortly after, one of the ways that their brain can respond to this is by holding on to the early version of their stress response. So rather than their stress response maturing, becoming less sensitive and less reactive, the opposite will happen. The brainstem will keep control over the stress response and the upper, more advanced parts of the brain won't develop properly. Remember that babies are born very helpless and they rely heavily on their early reflexes for survival. As they age, these reflexes should disappear and develop into more mature, advanced responses. Certain complications like birth trauma can disrupt this maturation process. So what you end up with is an older child with a stress response that is highly reactive and immature, who usually also has gaps and holes in other areas of brain function as well. And this creates a kind of anti-domino effect in the brain that prevents the upper levels from developing properly. Think of the brainstem and these early reflexes like the foundation of a house. If you have foundation problems, it can lead to all sorts of other problems with the rest of the house, all the way up to the roof. And you need to back up and fix the foundational pieces first in order for other things to function properly. Here is kind of a practical example that I see very often in the kids that I work with. We know from a lot of brain imaging studies that children with an ADHD diagnosis have problems with how well their prefrontal cortex works. The prefrontal cortex is the very top part of the brain, and it is the last part to fully mature. This happens sometime in your mid-20s. And children with ADHD have a prefrontal cortex that is functioning well below an age-appropriate level. And this part of your brain does some really cool things. Um, One day I'm going to do a whole podcast episode on it. But for now, the short version is that our prefrontal cortex is our director. So it helps coordinate all of the information from all of the other parts of our brain and make sure everything is working together smoothly. So it helps us with things like planning and decision making It allows us to think about something and choose a response rather than acting immediately. So basically, impulse control. It regulates our attention, both allowing us to focus on something specific, but more importantly, on tuning out information and systems that we're not focused on. A big part of the prefrontal cortex job is this type of suppression. 
So this is called a top-down processing or top-down suppression. And this happens when we're agitated, but we choose to sit still and wait for an appropriate response or wait for an appropriate time to move. It happens when we're in a busy room with a lot of visual information, but we can kind of focus our attention on one thing and tune other things out. So for a child with ADHD, this part of their brain isn't working properly. Oftentimes they struggle with attention, with focus, and with impulse control. And most of the kids I see in this category also have an immature stress response. Something happened during their early stages that prevented their mororeflex, that's the infant brainstem version of our stress response, from integrating properly. And then as they age, this leads to all sorts of problems with the way their stress response develops, with social-emotional development, with focus and tension and impulse control. It goes all the way from the brainstem all the way up to the top part of their brain, their prefrontal cortex. And in order to appropriately treat focus and attention problems, you have to back all the way up and figure out where the breakdown starts. For many kids, not all of them, but for many of them, this starts really, really early in the brain development process. Most of the common treatment plans for ADHD address the problem at the most obvious symptoms, not necessarily at the root cause. For example, most ADHD meds increase certain chemicals in the prefrontal cortex and some in other parts of the brain to kind of enhance or jumpstart the way that they work. Behavioral therapy is focusing on managing symptoms, on decreasing the severity or duration of negative symptoms, or on teaching kids and adults how to cope with their brain functioning atypically. School plans and school interventions typically allow adaptations to schoolwork or to the school environment that can help kind of alleviate some of the difficulties and can enhance learning and school performance. The efficacy of these really vary from person to person. Obviously, if you or your child are struggling with ADHD, then any amount of relief is helpful. Even some benefit can be huge. But the problem with these treatment approaches is that they never deal with the underlying problem. In order to really get the prefrontal cortex working properly on its own without medications, you have to deal with the earlier parts of the brain first. In my experience with kids, when you can back up and recapture that early development, most of the time the rest of the brain takes off. Our brains and bodies want to develop and function well. We're a very smart system, and I'm a big believer in the idea that when our bodies and our brains get what they need, they tend to work pretty well for us. Now, please keep in mind that the brain can get stuck or have problems with the way it develops and functions at a lot of different points in time. My focus is on children and these early stages because that seems to be the most common time period when I see things go wrong. That being said, it isn't going to be applicable to every child. This is one of the reasons why I think it's very important for any professional working with kids with developmental delays to take a holistic and individualized approach with each child. You want to get as much of a complete picture as you can of what's going on with them specifically. 
This will help you to create the most comprehensive treatment plan and to adapt it and adjust it based on how they're responding. If you have a child that you're concerned about, then please visit my website, earlyrootstherapy.com, to learn more. I have a screening questionnaire on there, and I offer free phone consults to talk about your child, to go through their questionnaire, and to kind of figure out a plan for them. If you're enjoying this podcast and want to hear more about any specific topics, I would love to hear from you. Feel free to message me on social media and let me know what topics are most interesting or what information would be the most helpful to know. As always, thank you so much for listening. I hope you learned something helpful. Mm-hmm.